to the Mary Seacole podcast where we give voices to the youth of our community. My name is Jade. My name's Maya. Hi, I'm Dave Collins and I'm the head of the Youth Offending, Targeted Youth and Edu Care Service here in Luton. We're soon to be named the Youth Partnership Service because we're going to get away from labelling young people with the word offending in the title. I'm Jess. And I'm Ira. Today we will be speaking about conscious and unconscious bias, how we might even have an unconscious bias and how conscious and unconscious bias affects us and also the youth of today. So before we start, let's have a look at this clip. What do you think of unconscious and conscious bias? Unconscious bias is when you don't know you're doing it and conscious is no, you know when you're doing it and you're judging someone. So a, con- a conscious bias is someone who is judged or for the way they look or by the actions they're doing. For example, I could be walking down my road in all black, black hoodie, black cap, black shoes, and I could go take something out of my pocket and someone could automatically think I'm taking a knife out. So for an example, conscious bias could be judging a person by their personality by the attitude and unconscious bias is when you see a random person in the street just sitting there and you just assume that this is a baby so ira hello what do you think conscious and unconscious bias are um i think it's like where if you haven't thought about someone before meeting them and you make a judgment on them before actually getting to know them. Mm. That kind of thing um, is one or the other. Mm. And then the other one, per se, is obviously having no preconceptions about a person and just sort of taking them as they give it to you kind of thing, if mm. that makes sense. Okay, what about you? Um, I would say I see it as, someone where, as something when you look at someone and you judge them based on how you perceive them. Mm. And then the other side would be similar to either. It's like, you don't really have no judgment, you just take them how they are. Okay. Yeah, similar to these two guys, it's about your uh, perceptions of, of people based on what they look like or, or stereotypes. You know? yeah. At best, it's about judging someone and being surprised that, that they don't present like that so you're able to kind of reflect and change your own behaviour. Mm. But there's a darker side to this as well because, of yes. course, you can judge people and you can discriminate against people based on what you think that they're, the way they're going to act or how they look. Yeah. And, and that's when, it, when sort of unconscious bias becomes more sinister. Okay. So for me personally, I would say that an unconscious bias is when you're not conscious of the fact that you're making that judgment and then when it's conscious is that you already know that you already know like you don't like that group of people or that kind of person or whatever yeah like i said group of people yeah so you but it's more it's you're, yeah, you make you're a aware decision. yeah you've made the decision it's something that you've made a decision to do conscious bias is normally when um there's normally like malicious intent with it where unconscious mm. is something that you're not really aware of it's just something you've automatically just thought like with you the haven't thought. like you haven't sat there and made that decision yeah. Yeah. processed it it's just the first thing that's come to your mind and the first thing that you've, how you've reacted basically. yeah so can you actually give us the actual 
definition of a conscious and biased. Okay, so bias. conscious bias refers to biased attitudes that you are aware of. We know we are being biased and we're doing it intentionally. And then unconscious bias is, it refers to biases um, that operate outside our awareness and our control. Okay. So technically, an unconscious bias isn't wrong. Neither one of them is yeah. wrong to have. Well, actually, tell a lie. Yeah, unconscious <laughs> bias is not wrong. An yeah. Unconscious bias is not wrong, but it's good to try and reform that into be a bit more positive and a bit yeah. more in a bright light and not yeah. having these preconceptions about people. Depends where it comes from, though, doesn't it? Because you just hit the nail on the head there with preconceptions. Because if you're brought up in, you know, by parents or by society, that particularly stereotypes one group or one type of person, male or female, any ethnic group, any, any, anything. And actually what you focus in, in on with those groups is actually negative aspects of it. Yeah. So, you, you know, what we call the kind of sort of stereotypes. Then if your unconscious bias is based on your expectation or your perception mm. that that particular group of people are going to act in that way, that's when unconscious bias, I think, becomes kind of slightly more malicious. Yeah. Mm. I think for me personally, I think I think everybody can sometimes have an unconscious bias. I think that me personally, the way that I was brought up, I had different religions within my family alone. Mm. Um, people dating at, like outside of just our race. And I grew up around different kinds of people as well. Not just in school, but I had friends from different cultures. Mm. So I feel like because of that, I was able to have a better perception mm. of people without having to have that assumption of that person like this or, like you said, putting that stereotype on somebody mm. just because of where they're from or who they are or if they're male or female or what their lifestyle is. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. It's a negative that that, stereotypes. Isn't yeah. It? So I think that it helps when you are you know, when you do have different groups of friends or you're around different cultures. Being cult- well-cultured mm. And worldly. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's very good for you in terms of not having like an unconscious, well, conscious too, but an unconscious bias. The thing is, with, I mean, with, with any kind of bias, I mean, it sort of taps into prejudice. Mm-hmm. So you look at prejudice, everyone holds prejudice mm-hmm. in some yeah. way, shape, or form. And I don't just mean prejudice against prejudice, I mean prejudice against anything. You know, we all hold prejudice. Anyone who says they don't, isn't being truthful yeah. to themselves. Yeah. Prejudice turned into discrimination mm-hmm. is you acting on those prejudices because mm-hmm. of that negative stereotype or that conscious bias, unconscious bias. You know, when you find out about something, about someone, what you suppose, yeah, I suppose you're going to do this and you don't do that, and it surprises me. It's about me kind of reflecting on that and saying, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely, because you're right, actually, someone from... That's my learning. Yeah. So that's my, what you're talking about, sort of being cultured and growing up with that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, so you could argue it's okay to have prejudice as long as you, one, don't discriminate, and two, you reflect on those things because then you learn. So you kind of almost fill in your conscious bias tanks up, aren't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, yeah, that's definitely a good point. I, I, it definitely, uh, as you said earlier, it definitely stems down to sort of cultural and... Mm sort of family upbringing because if you're brought up in a predominantly racist household per se mm. your views in life are going to be in the way that you've been taught essentially yes you can sort of change your views and change how you think 
But if you're constantly hearing sort of uh, discrimination mm. from an early age, that's going to be imprinted pretty much onto your mind. Mm. And you're, when you grow up and you then go on to have children, it's going to pass down. And that's why I think that also yeah. comes into like racism, how it will never sort of fade away because of these families mm. and how it just cycles around and around and around. See, I think it's a lot bigger than that. Like, I do think a part of it's your upbringing. Mm. But I also think a lot of it's obviously your so who you hang out with, social oh, kind yeah. of things. Mm. Like, social media is such a big thing nowadays. Mm. Yeah, especially in the media. Especially when it comes to, like, unconscious, like, bias or, like, stuff when it's to do with, like, opinions. Like, they're massive on social media. Yeah. Or just our space around like that like social media or movies even like movies are massive for like stereotyping people and putting mm-hmm. like people in that sort i mean your your world of influence now is, yeah. is it's kind of more scary what young people have to face nowadays i mean mm. what you were talking about in growing up in families you're absolutely right that, that kind of perpetuates it i grew up in a similar family to that mm. but there was always something within me i don't know what it was that challenged that yeah me. And so you challenge it and you want to learn. But when you look now and you think about unconscious and conscious bias, and we're talking about race, we're talking about racism, we're talking about prejudice, you think now the world that we're kind of moving now with, pronouns and the way people identify, sometimes your, your stereotype doesn't even apply to that person because you could offend someone yeah. on the basis of saying something that actually you've got no knowledge about. Yeah. Um, so I think you're right to, to sort of say about social media because I just think it's opened up the world to so much more mm-hmm. information and knowledge, but also ability to offend. Yeah. Especially yeah. with all these influencers as well, like all like especially like the younger people like following what they do, what they wear, what they eat, like all this type of stuff. Like it's easy to lead someone into thinking a certain way. Yeah, and that creates a lot of biases with like beauty and work and stuff as well, because obviously with how they present themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then obviously like certain people can get like certain opportunities because, as we've said, like because in the past, because of how they look. And it's true, you know, yeah. and it actually makes me think. I've seen people actually um, literally change the way that they look. Mm-hmm. Like even like musicians and stuff change the way they look mm-hmm. based on the fact that they don't want, they don't want that conscious or unconscious bias against them and they want to break into the industry so they want to look a certain way and it's not new if you look at like say for example um tony braxton before she even released her album no job then they may have artists like disclaimer Manny there tony braxton may or may not have had a nose job you just say that She's actually said it. She's actually said it on interviews and stuff. So like, I wouldn't have said it otherwise. She said it on interviews and stuff, and she had a nose job because it actually also opened up like her singing chambers and stuff. Like, no job. And then now that says art is called Money Long. <laughs> Same thing. So it's just like people want. It's, it's. I feel like people are trying to also control how people perceive them. See, it's funny you say the, 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 I remember reading somewhere, and I mean, I, I don't have Instagram, but this kind of sort of whole idea that actually the Instagram look is something that, that people are kind of aspiring to. And, mm. you know, this, this kind of sort of idea of uh, a, a larger behind, for want of not saying a word that's rude, mm-hmm. um, because it's acceptable on, uh, I mean, I wouldn't know what to call it anyway. <laughs> but this idea that it's kind of almost acceptable now because of it's that to <laughs> just cut it out. No, you can say it, you can say it. Well, I'm teaching you the new words, bunda. 
<laughs> well, I see. I know it's Bunda. Because I still, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I wasn't going to say Bunda. I was going to say Booty, but yeah, <laughs> I realised I might be six months out of that. But um, but it's this idea that maybe you know, twenty years ago, it kind of you know people aspired or women aspired to, to having smaller yeah. uh, a backside Bunda Booty. Mm. Whereas now, because Instagram has made it kind of you know body positive. Yeah, of course. So look at the plastic surgery on backsides. But it's how the social, how social standards want you to conform and how they want you to be. So if you're, so I don't know, mid eighties, nineties, it is. Don't get me wrong, but when <laughs> when it's put into magazines, TV, it's broadcast as this petite figure that people want. Yeah. You get exactly mm. what they're saying. People mm-hmm. will want to achieve that, want to strive for that, and like Instagram is now because it is seen as luxurious to have the big behind and all these like assets it is more desirable <laughs> it's more desirable for the younger so, sorry, to want to be by assets <laughs> to want to <laughs> strive towards that but do you know what the irony of all of that is when it comes to body image and it's not even just body positivity is that since we are talking about conscious and unconscious bias as a black woman we have had many mm-hmm. unconscious bias against us we are labelled the angry black woman mm-hmm. we are labelled ratchet sometimes I'm quiet in the library reading a book like <laughs> like there are so many things <laughs> there are so many things that we are labelled as and you I don't know if you've ever heard the same but they say they want our rhythm but not our blues which is that when it comes to our lifestyle our influence our culture our hair our fashion our bodies people are paying money yeah. to now look like what they had that conscious bias against. People yeah. are getting lip fillers. People are getting cheek fillers. People are getting Brazilian butt lifts. Mm-hmm. Not, not every black girl even has a big bum like that. But in terms of like stereo- stereotypically, mm-hmm. yeah. we have that vixen shape or whatever people yeah. want to call it, or that cigarette or whatever. So it's just funny that people had that. Because not even an unconscious. Sometimes an unconscious bias as well. But people had that conscious bias against black women. Mm-hmm. And but but really now it's like. They want to look like that same thing that they were so again. But, but that, they don't that's get the, that energy back. But they don't get. But and, and they didn't have to go through the stuff that we had to go through either. And B, the people they put people like Sarah Bart, Sarah, um, is it Barton? She was she was a um, I think she came from South Africa, and because she had that shape, they called her hot and top top Venus, and she was displayed. And yes. even when she died, they displayed her body and her organs mm. in a in a. Um, museum in France because of how her shape was and all of this stuff her organs yeah because of how she looked and because she was so you know peculiar and Mm -hmm. haven't seen this before kind of thing they had people in circuses and different things like that do you know what I'm saying so it's like now for people to all of a sudden like not just all of a sudden it's gone over if you look in the Victorian times they had the pattern in Mm -hmm. the hips and in the back of the dress and Mm -hmm. all of that as well so it's something that's actually always been that's why we say they want our rhythm but not our yeah. rhythm because do you know what i'm saying so we've had that conscious bias i'm just taking it down the race route in terms of my experience yeah, of course. that we've had that conscious and unconscious bias against us but everybody want to look like want to look like us we want to get their lips filled that is but they used to be like oh look at your big lips that is a problem right now. of the media though so yes racism racism has always been a big thing but when the media doesn't show the black woman with all these features, with all these assets, yeah, they don't 
I'll give you a perfect example. But just before we go on to that, I just want to pick up on something you said there because I think it's really interesting. It's like you want all the good parts of this, but you don't want to go what I've gone through. And I wouldn't want you to like her, but you. No, no, no. I know, but that's such a powerful couple of words within Mm. there because it's like. Because what you're talking about is, you, is you're talking about going through discrimination. You go, you know, whether that's racial discrimination, gender, uh, stereotypical discrimination, yeah. and it's kind of so. It's okay for you to, to discriminate against me, hate me for these parts, but not these parts, yeah. which is the most kind of bit of irony. <laughs> yeah. that that's exists, what I'm saying. It's so ironic. You're talking about media, and given that we're kind of looking. Down, down the race, you know, if I ask you a question, who, who is the face of uh, gangs and knife crime in, in this country? Who, who is the face? Who, 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 do, who would people immediately think of? Black boys. Black boys. Mm-hmm. And there was a thing on, because uh, I was thinking last night and I was thinking about just some, reflecting over the last couple of years, and there was a thing on BBC News last, last year. It was, I think it was about October time, so it was only you know, eight, ten months ago. And, and I think London was up to 68 deaths that, that year. Mm-hmm. And that's how they advertise it. It's BBC News as well. So remember, it's a liberal, you know, it's not like your kind of ITV, conservative, whatever. Mm. It's a liberal news. And, and it said, you know, this, this is going to, this is odds on to be one of the worst years that London's ever had. And we're currently at 68 deaths. And what they flashed up on the screen was pictures of about five or six black youths. Mm. Okay, what we stereotypically, you know, with a hood or a puffer jacket or whatever. Mm. Okay. Now, I know that the majority of those murders okay, mm. in London were probably middle-aged men on their wives, because that's one of the biggest kind of, sort of issues in terms of homicide mm. anywhere, really. But in London um, is domestic violence. Mm-hmm. But they're not reporting that. So, so, so what happens is, you know, we're talking about these kind of racist families. So what happens at the worst case scenario is it's like, well, at least they're killing each other, right? Mm. Up to the, oh, well, I don't want to be, uh, you know, as long as we stay away from those places, we'll be okay. You know, it, it, it allows, that kind of reporting allows people to kind of feed their prejudice, which then feeds that unconscious bias. Mm. Then they become, we've, we've got it in Luton. You, you know, you look in Luton. Now, I know because I introduced myself earlier <laughs> with what I do, <laughs> but... You know, Luton, we have, what, population of 260,000, uh, 50% of kids, so that's, that's what, uh, 130,000. It's probably 50% of those that are between the ages of 10 and 18, so offending ages. So let's just say ballpark, 60, 70,000 kids, right, mm-hmm. in Luton that could any time become involved in, in, in offending. Mm-hmm. We've only got one young person in custody. Right? You go to Essex or you go to Hertfordshire and there's... You know, countless kids in custody. Yeah. We've only got one. We only had 33 kids coming to the criminal justice system last year. So you tell me what a problem Luton has. Because Luton almost, there's this perception of Luton, isn't there? That, mm. oh, yeah, it's gang this and it's gang Yeah, all the time. Do, do you remember, do you remember the, the, the stabbing that made the news in, in the, sorry, not the Arndale, the mall? Yes. You've been in Luton yeah. so long, you call it the Arndale. Yeah. I remember when it was called the Arndale. Yeah. Do you know that that weekend, like, no one died in that, Right? Three kids were involved, yeah. three under 18s mm-hmm. were involved in that. You know, obviously I worked with kind of all three of them. Mm-hmm. I had actually worked with one of them as well in right. the past. Well, that weekend, <laughs> that weekend, a 17 year old boy was stamped to death in Welling Garden City. 
do you hear about that? No, you remember the Luton thing, though, didn't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, it's it, it's this wonderful thing to bash Luton. Why? Why do we bash Luton? Well, why do people bash Luton? Because it has that stereotype of gangs and life crime and all that. But also, do you know what's crazy about it? And I was talking to somebody about this the other day. We moved to Luton because my mum grew up here. So my mum was born in London also, but then she went to school in Luton. Um later on years go by whatever whatever my granddad was still up here with my step nana and Luton was actually very peaceful mm. more so than what it is and I'm not saying it's not like a good place now but it was if you live in Luton you know what Luton is like we came here because where we were there were a lot of like there was a lot of violence a lot of police a lot of drugs needles in the streets so on and so forth mm-hmm. so we moved to Luton for that but what happened is a lot of people did and there is something where because I've seen it for myself based on not necessarily my lifestyle but the people I grew up around and the, the people I used to be around some people have had a certain life or worked for the Queen and then they've come home and then they've been like, they don't want to live in their area because they want to keep out of trouble. So they actually used to come to Luton to keep out of trouble. But then brought trouble here. <laughs> Not all the time. Not all the time. Um, I feel like because some of those things happened, mm-hmm. however, that started that started to... Domino effects. Yeah, and that's where the label of Luton being associated with all these things began because Luton never used to have that label before, you know. But the, the, thing, the thing is, you get, you get people that moved out and, and, and that kind of line is, uh, well, Luton's a show. And it's yeah. like, well, what, what, what part? The, the Wardown Park? The, you know, all town centres have got their own issues, but Luton's got some lovely places. We're five minutes away from, you know, the, the, the sort of countryside you go on bikes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But when it boils yeah, down, down to... Yeah, got to the Downs. Well, the Downs are actually Downs to call that. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Oh, oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's Dunstable. <laughs> But what, what, what it always comes down to is, is it's this kind of, sort of people's fear of multiculturalism. And I think that, going back to your original point, it's all about kind of media. Just, yeah. You know, you ask any person, you know, who, who is the face of, of, of gangs and they'll say exactly the same thing as we've said. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, okay, you can't get away from it that, you know, it's predominantly young men that get involved in those kind of things. But I hate the word gangs. Mm. I hate the word uh, knife crime mm-hmm. because the reality is any of these kids that get involved in this and, and live under fear 24-7 a day or are debt bonded or these things and I'll tell you a story about a, a kid in a second which is just frightening given a choice they wouldn't do that mm-hmm. right so when you've got a young person who makes a wrong choice because do you know what one in four kids in Luton live in poverty mm-hmm. so living in particular areas don't have a lot of aspirations what are you going to do? You're going to make good choices under mm. those conditions. Now it's us as adults and counsellors and, and politicians that make decisions around that. So why should you know I label a kid as a gang member, knife crime, the cause of all of it, because he's made a bad decision because of a decision an adult has taken? Mm-hmm. And as soon as I stop believing that, I might as well stop doing my job. Yeah. Simple as that. No one would choose to live like that. No, of course not. Yeah, no. no one no one chooses poverty, no one chooses hard upbringings and it's the situations that people find themselves in is often the cause of the problems, it's where it stems, it's their yeah. upbringing. Um yeah, it's it's a cra- it's a crazy world we live in where a knife crime if it happens, it is just another statistic. 
it's just added onto mm. a tally almost mm-hmm. and it's not really considered about the impact that that's had on their yeah. family it's not considered or how to help them like, or how to help any, like, anyone in the whole situation that's why like, I continually what, push criminal exploitation I'm gonna like, what leads them to that point because there's loads of things around Luton I feel well, at the moment that can sort of lead into helping mm-hmm. well I feel like sometimes um, people like have lies because they're scared and they're fearful yeah. like, that something's going to happen to them and then a lot of the time they get stabbed with their own mm-hmm. lives like, that's so it it's a bit it's a it's, re- it's really tough isn't it I mean I, I, no doubt you've kind of sort of seen stuff about county lines and county line training mm-hmm. and, and how you know kids are groomed into gangs we've got yeah. this, this this one kid obviously no names no patrol and do, do you know what debt bonding is? I don't Okay, so debt bonding is where you, you you know a lot of these guys that are begging on the streets, right? They're not begging, get £10 and go and buy drugs, okay? They each day have to give 20, 30, 40 quid to a dealer, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I'm giving you this every day. If I'm short, right, I might get a belt, I, I might, you know, my family threatened mm-hmm. or whatever. Sometimes you might give me drugs, but you're only giving me 20 quid's worth of drugs for the 40 quid I'm giving mm-hmm. you every day. Because you, this perception that you owe money, you're debt bonded. Mm. And this, this kid who's now not in Luton at, at this point in time, owes £40,000 to a gang. Now, he's not had £40,000 worth of, mm. of stuff or anything like that. It's just that typical, it probably started off with a, you need to carry this from A to B, and then he got robbed. Probably by the mm. gang member. Probably Remember, we've all seen that. Sent him off. Mm. Every single time, He's been arrested with possession with intent to supply, and the police have taken a thousand pounds of drugs back is added to his debt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you when you're dealing with someone who's 16, 15, 16 years old, and you're saying to that person, you need to come to this appointment, because I'm gonna help you, I'm gonna get you in this, I'm gonna get you in that. He's got a gang going, well you owe me 40 grand. If you don't go and sell this in Norwich or there, I'm gonna I'm gonna slash your mum's throat. So instead of coming to where they're meant to be, they're going to your, your choice. Because it's kind of do whatever you want to me, but of course. People, people's families get threatened. Yeah. You know, debt bonded in prison. Crazy, it's, it's, it's attached to it. I'm, I'm told this, I don't know if this is true, but it sounds plausible that the, the, the debt is bonded to the cell. So let's say you're in prison and you take X amount of drugs or cigarettes or whatever, whatever currency from, from, from your next door neighbor in that grooming phase, but then you get moved out of the prison. The person that moves into that cell takes on that debt. Mad. That's, that, that's, that's what bad. I'm being told is a new thing. And of course, that debt then goes out to the community. So you think, you think about the ways that these organised criminals are, are uh, 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 you know, grooming kids. And remember, most of these kind of young adults, these 18 to 24-year-olds, were just exploited children themselves. Yeah. You know, are... It's a cycle. So, so if, if, if you move into a cell and you owe a debt, it's like, how are you going to pay that off? Because if you can't pay that off, I'm going to mm. hurt you. And if you don't want to be hurt, well, you've got a younger brother. Yeah. Your younger brother could actually carry something. And it happens like yeah. that. It's just mm. scary. And all at the top of it is not, you know, little uh, sort of teenagers, 15 years old. They're not making all the money. You know, you've got these guys that are importing kilos of drugs. Mm-hmm. All these guys that, you know, you think about some of the drugs that have been uh, confiscated from, by the police in, in, in Luton. They've still got the South American stamps on them. Yeah. So they're coming from, you know, whatever dock to this person here. And then who suffers? It's the kids that suffer. 
Yeah. And the then they have to be the face of it and everything as well, like it's them. And exactly. Mm-hmm. Even when you said about gangs, like not every young person, even if they live a certain lifestyle and stuff, it doesn't mean that they're in a gang. Just because a group of people are even hanging around to, with each other doesn't mean that they're in a gang. Like it's not a gang, it's it, they're just, sometimes they're just friends. Sometimes mm-hmm. they, like, what? Why is it that there are nobody said they never said that they're in a gang? What a group of kids isn't a group seen of as kids a group is of kids anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. seen as, as a gang. Yeah. Do you know it's such an interesting thing because part part of and I can't remember what training it was or in social work training or whatever. <clears throat> it was along the lines of unconscious bias. We shown like a black and white picture of these kids. I think they were just stood around in all these wonderful uniforms, nice and sort of being in. It was like, what's your perception of that? Oh, you know. It's like, Bunch of studious kids, you know, they're all in their school uniform. They get to Harrow on the Hill. <laughs> well, you've been to Harrow on the Hill lately. <laughs> but, and then they showed you another picture, which was a group of kids just like in joggers and, 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 you know, hanging around. And it was kind of, you know, the perceptions then come out about, oh, yeah, you know, well, they're in a gang, they're mm-hmm. this, they're that. Mm. It's like, no, no, no. The, both sets of kids are waiting for a bus to go to school. Yeah. <laughs> And the only difference is the way the kids are dressed. Yeah. And, that, and that's your first kind of think about, you know, conscious and unconscious bias. But even with fashion, we were talking about Hoodrich and stuff. Like, and like, I saw a young, like, white boy getting on the bus the other day with a Hoodrich backpack. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, so what, when it comes to fashion and stuff like that, so what, because it's fashionable to wear mm. these things now then. You know, you can't perceive everyone that way because it's just fashion. But when you see a young black boy wearing that, Oh, again, he's in a gang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's in this, he's in that. Like, I need, I want to know, like, how can we, how can we stop that? We spoke about obviously being well coached and stuff as well, but how can we stop that? Because, as I said, like, there's certain people that I've been around, growing up around when I was younger, that, like, somebody could be an outright criminal, but I, I wouldn't even still treat them as such because. I know that that person still has a personality, that person still has feelings, that person still has emotions, that person still has a family. Like, they're still a human being, and like you said, they just made change. And they can change. It's just that they made a bad decision at the time. So, I would never treat somebody a certain way, unless I thought, oh my God, that person's like a threat to me. Like, I'm not going to treat somebody a certain way just because of a bad decision. They're already probably beating themselves up about it as well. It's what, what bad world we would live in if, if we can't kind of sort of change after making bad decisions or we can't forgive after making bad decisions. And that's, that's, that's the way I approach my work with young people that we work with. And I, and, and I know, because I mean, I, I met someone yesterday who, uh, when, I, when I used to work with young people and I was a practitioner, I used to write three sentence reports. That's where you write a report for someone to kind of sort of, you know, their home circumstances, but you suggest to the court what that uh, sentence should be. And, you know, mm. you hope that they're judged. Mm. And, um, I mean, he's not a kid anymore. He's like 38 years old, which made me look for really old. And I met him yesterday. I hadn't seen him since I'd written his pre-sentence report in yeah. 2004. Mm. And he's like, just remember, he's like a, a grown man. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, Dave, Dave, I've got a good job. I'm like, you know, I'm a chef at the airport. And, it's mm. all this, and it just made me feel great. It was a nightmare. <laughs> but it's just so good to see him because you know, like living, working, Luton and have done for for you know twenty odd years with people. Um, I see a lot of people, and you, you know, for every kind of negative thing I see, I see sort of positive things as well. And I, you you said earlier, you know, how do we do it? How do we change these things? And what yeah. we do is we change it by, you know, continually be that being those people that challenge people. 
So I challenge people all the time. And, you know, I asked you the question about sort of gangs. I asked that group sort of, of staff. You know, I asked that as part of our interview process. Mm -hmm. You know, because mm -hmm. I want to know what someone is saying. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in our interview process... And what they're not saying to you. Well, exactly. And, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I always say, um, give, give me an example of, of, of prejudice. You know, what prejudice do you have? Oh, I don't have any. Really? Okay. You know, and, and you start picking that apart. Red flag. Red you know, <laughs> exactly what it does. You kind of straight away, you know, you want someone that's going to be able to learn and be reflective. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you feed it back. You know, for every kid that, that commits an offence, right, there's... 60, 70, 80, 90 kids in Luton learning instruments, mm -hmm. sports, dying, mm. swimming, all of these things. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about that. Why? You know, go, go to Inspire on Tuesday and Thursday night. You see these kids diving off of like 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These kids are like this big. <laughs> <laughs> they are amazing. Yeah. No one talks yeah. about them. Yeah, and I think that they ought to be celebrated because I think that if they were celebrated, that would actually also... Um, make a difference to other young people because they'll actually see people that look like them mm. or that in terms of not just race but in terms of age, age people and stuff as well exactly. like, oh that person does that and that's cool to do yeah. as well it's cool to yeah. be successful it's cool to have a future because when you live a certain lifestyle you're not going to be able to see that well i think that it does start at home and i feel like mm. parents whether you can afford it or not i know that obviously sometimes there's poverty and you can't really, you know, afford to, for your children to do certain things. But I feel like there's, anything is possible when it comes to, I guess, feeding your child's mind, even if yeah. you are just sitting down and talking to them and educating them. If you can't take them to certain classes or mm -hmm. whatever it might be, there's a way, look, look like there, sometimes there are things that might be free or there might be opportunities. There's a lot of opportunities out here that have funding for young people to actually do things to better themselves that they don't have to pay for. Some places obviously still, have to pay for private classes and stuff but some people do offer things that are for the community that they get funding for where they're able to we contribute we, to, we, yeah. we, as to part of the youth servicing we put do loads of things in the community through something yeah. called the tree project which is tackling reducing ending exploitation when when lockdown first happened yeah. you know march 2020 and the kind of streets were empty it was like oh right so exploitation's gone offending's gone well, it didn't it went into like little dark corners yeah. and it wasn't kind of sort of there and then and, and I managed to get some um, emergency COVID funding to, to, to set up this tree project mm. which has continued since then mm. you know and I look at the tree project now and it works in sort of key areas this Dallow is going to be a feature of this summer um, but you know looking over in Lucy Farm so I work with a community organisation over there Chance to Change who got the kind of community buy-in and we run classes there that are accredited with guaranteed places in Barnfield oh, as a result of doing that's, these things. That's really good, yeah. But that's all been developed through through this kind of chance. Just I'm sat there in a meeting, someone said, Oh, yeah, 60 million pounds of COVID fund. Well, for who? Yeah, <laughs> 60 million pounds, you say, Where will we get that from? Yeah. And, you know, and, and I got 90, 90 odd thousand pounds for it and just got funding ever since then. Mm -hmm. So it, there are things for young people to do, but Going back to what you said about uh, children growing up in families that kind of perpetuate this kind of sort of discrimination, it's a line that I've never ever forgotten from probation training because you can't change someone. You cannot change someone. Yeah, All you can do is present them with the opportunities to mm -hmm. realise they change, change themselves. Yeah. Probation, 
It's called sowing the seed of dissonance mm. and then watching that grow. But that's what you do with kids. So you know you're talking about seeing someone diving or playing musical instruments or, or whatever. Mm. That's Lots sowing that seed of dissonance yeah. with someone. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think where my world fails with young people is they like to put them in boxes. Right, you've committed an offence. Uh, you need to now do this to stay out of custody. And I need you to do that. And that gets done. I'm not going to do that because I'm still tied in with this and yeah. this, this and this. You can't, sometimes the, what you see as the, the, the kind of final version isn't. It's like people who use drugs. Mm -hmm. If you say to someone who's on the street, you need to stop using drugs, okay? Well, no, lot, you, lot, lot you, need, you need to take away yeah. this trauma and then I'll stop using yeah. drugs. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, you don't see what the... You need to give them the opportunities yeah. to actually, that, you need to show them opportunity first. Mm before you know you start to try and put all of these things and just yeah. change you can't just change somebody's life you have to un they have to unlearn a lot of things and rewire their brain first before not even unlearn i'll just say rethink a lot of well that's that's why yeah because because no because sometimes it is unlearning though because sometimes you have a certain defense mechanism for something that leads on to that or mm, sometimes okay, yeah. you have a way of dealing with certain situations and it's like actually i don't have to actually um that, that's not the way to deal with that yeah. and there are many other ways to deal with this trauma Gen for example i can go to therapy or the, like i can go to cbt or there's well-being or i can go to the gym or i could there are so many different things and different ways that i can actually handle this as opposed to doing x y and z because yeah. really i feel like dealing with the root of the issue is what takes away from people then not having anything to say when it comes to conscious or unconscious bias because these are the core things that are being tackled. That's not to say that it's right. Mm. It isn't right. So something that actually happened that contributes to people having a conscious or unconscious bias is the fact that um, an Olympic sprinter, Bianca Williams, was actually stopped by the police. So here's the clip of that incident. A video already viral. The distress in Bianca Williams' voice clear. He didn't do anything! First, when her partner was taken out of the car and handcuffed by police. And then as she was forced out of the back and away from her three-month-old baby. The couple deny police claims that they were driving suspiciously. I've never been in that situation before and... To, to 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 be in that in that front line along with my son it was just it was just awful so as you can see bianca was stopped by the police and was racially profiled and i feel like that's something that is usually not often highlighted in the uk compared to in the states it also shows that people in the police force who shouldn't really have any form of bias because they're here to protect and serve are actually having both are conscious and unconscious bias, but and you can see it by the way that they treat people of colour or by the way that they treat people that look a certain way. So what do you guys think about that? Because I think that it's, it's something that's actually happening, but nobody's not really... I don't feel like it's highlighted as much. Like, I saw that on social media. I didn't see it yeah, on the news. No, 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 no. I, I saw that a while back as well. Um, but I think it's sort of... In America, it's always... There's a possibility of it being lethal. There's always, in the stop and search, there's always a possibility that this person could lose their life. And that's just based on how American policing runs or how they do their things over there. I'm mm. not one to say on how it's done. It does happen over here too, though. It, like, it does, it does. And obviously, I, I, there was a case a while back where a woman was 
arrested and she was beaten to death in her cells or something along them lines. And yes, it does happen here, but it's not highlighted in the same way because the police don't have the lawful use of firearms and everything like this. It's not as immediate. It's mm -hmm. not as, oh, okay, you commit the crime, shot on the scene, done. It's a longer process. That's why I think it's more scary here because <laughs> you don't know anyone's intent. You could go to jail one minute and find yourself beaten up in your cell and then just have to be like, oh yeah, it happened. No one's gonna believe you because we're in the UK. That doesn't happen, do you know what I mean? It's... I do feel like it's shown a lot in America, America though, but not a lot is shown in the UK. Like, mm. I don't hear a lot about this kind of stuff in the UK, but I know on like social media, it's a lot on that and a lot mm -hmm. happening, but no one really has to explain any of their actions, like most of them do in America. It's kind of system-wide in America, I think is what you're yeah. describing. Mm. I think over here, and because I've been in criminal justice for such a long time, I, I, I remember specific examples, you know, whether it's Stephen Lawrence, that, that, that was like a kind of inquest into the behaviour of the Met Police, or, you know, the, and I can't for the life of me remember his name, but it was a Brazilian tourist that was shot dead as a result of uh, a potential, uh, um, I think it was a potential terrorist kind of uh, uh, investigation at the time. And it, it's kind of almost like this happens in this country, but it's compartmentalised. I mean, you think about what what uh, 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 kind of Muslims went through during the kind of real height of ISIS with yeah. Islamophobia and and kind of almost like sort of profiling of 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 our sort of South Asian um, uh, 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 residents who were kind of almost being profiled in, in, in light of the behaviour of kind of ISIS. Yeah. It's always existed and there's inquests into it, you know, there's deaths in custody, there's deaths in custody. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in, in Bedfordshire of, of, you know, people of colour with mental health and it becomes an inquest. To me, and I don't know whether this has just been cynical, we never seem to build on it. You know, there's never it's, there's an inquest, and the inquest makes recommendations, and then they kind of move on. That's why I don't know if you guys know, but the, the Met Police are currently under special measures now for for for, for some of their actions. It's worth looking into mm. because when you know an, an inspector puts a whole police force, particularly a police force like the Met, into special measures, you know that's a serious thing. Yeah. But when you look at stop and search. If, if we are saying that young people carrying knives should not be viewed as perpetrators, they should be portrayed as victims of criminal exploitation, then stop and search should be a safeguarding process. Mm -hmm. Now, you can't do that overnight. So I'm not saying, right, so actually, do you know, you're not profiling now, you are, are, are doing a safeguarding thing. Mm -hmm. But if we couch it in that, in safeguarding, which means that we don't then arrest that young person or prosecute that young person or charge that mm -hmm. young person, you know, in a few years' time, it's seen as this safeguarding process when it's not then. Yeah. We've also met somebody that actually is part of like, the committee that actually sit down with some yeah, researchers. Also. Yeah. We yeah. know that there are things in place where it's like, okay, on this, for example, you shouldn't have handled it this way, you should have handled yeah. it that way. So that really contributes as well. To summarise, I think personally, from my viewpoint, I feel like one of the things that we can do to tackle, you know, um, conscious and unconscious bias together actually is educating young people on different cultures different backgrounds 
bringing them around different people and stuff so that they don't just have that stereotype against I think calling people. it out as well like not mm. being afraid to challenge it doesn't have yeah mm. not being afraid to challenge it mm-hmm. not being afraid not being afraid to talk about it mm-hmm. it being like a discussion it doesn't have to be heated it can just be an open discussion mm. yeah thank you much so guys for watching again we look forward to seeing you soon bye <laughs>